0: Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Before the beginning, there was this turtle. The ancient cosmos,
1: when the Earth stood still. How could the smartest, most observant people on Earth believe for millennia that the sun and all the planets and all the stars revolved around the little old Earth? And the turtle was alone. And he looked around.
0: And he saw his neighbor, which was his mother, It sure looks like the sun and the stars and all the planets revolve around the Earth. Can we really criticize the ancients for getting it so wrong? And he lay down on top of his neighbor, and behold, she bore him in tears, an oak tree. Wasn't ancient cosmology part science, part philosophy, and part religion?
1: Our guest is Carlo Rovelli, author of seven brief lessons in physics, The Ancient Cosmos. Coming up on Philosophy Talk... Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that
0: begin down at Stanford University around the Philosophy Department, where Ken teaches... And
1: I did for 40 years. 40 wonderful years, John. Now, today, we're thinking about ancient cosmology. We call it When the Earth Stood Still. This is the first of eight episodes in a a new series, A Philosophical Guide to the Cosmos.
0: Cosmology, Ken, is the study of the universe, how it was formed, what laws govern its evolution. Cosmology has exploded in the last few decades, but it's hardly new. Theories about the nature, structure, and origin of the cosmos go back thousands of years yeah but
1: you know ancient theories of the cosmos there was a lot more myth than science in those i mean some people some of the ancients believed that the universe began as an egg that eventually crafted into and became the earth and sky not much science in that john
0: well there was a lot of that no doubt but don't overgeneralize ancient greek thinkers like aristarchus and anaximander aristotle and ptolemy came up with Pretty sophisticated cosmological theories. They looked to the heavens, they observed what they could, how the stars moved across the sky, how the sun rose and fell each day, and given their observations, they put together pretty good explanations and theories, reasonable for the time. Seems scientific to me. Yeah, but they got so much wrong, John. Not all of it. They were able to predict things like phases of the moon and even lunar eclipses. Aristarchus had all the planets laid out in the right order from the sun.
1: Yeah, but they thought the Earth stood still, at the center of the universe, with other planets and suns all revolving around it. They had this idea that all the heavenly bodies were spinning around on a set of concentric set of what they called celestial spheres. That's why they, why we talk about the music of the spheres. They were just clueless about so many things.
0: Yeah, well, most of them were. But after all, that's what it looks like. The history of science is full of wrong ideas. Ken, rejecting bad ideas that turn out to be false based on later observation, replacing them with better ones. That's progress. We don't dismiss Newton as non-scientific because he thought that space and time were absolute rather than relative. Yeah,
1: I grant you progress is one of the main hallmarks of real science. But that's another thing against ancient cosmology, John. It progressed very little after Aristotle. And do you know why, at least why, the reason I think so? I think I'm going to learn. Yeah, because <laughs> it got all mixed up with religion. I mean, the idea that everything in the universe literally, literally revolves around us and this little ball that fits so nicely with the Christian idea that we are God's highest creation. And the church, gosh, the church became so wedded to this view of the universe that when Galileo challenged it, he, they excommunicated him.
0: Well, I think your picture is over simple. Uh The religious idea that the world had to make sense because it was a creation of God was a big impetus to scientific progress. Even Newton was wedded to religious ideas. His scientific writings include claims about the supreme being, He said things like, without God, there would be nothing.
1: To put the planets in motion? Yeah, but the best thing about the scientific (laughs) revolution is that it led to a shift away from religion. That didn't happen happen overnight, but nowadays no self-respecting scientist would put anything, would attribute anything in their cosmology to the operation of a supreme being. Before the scientific revolution, there wasn't even a clear distinction between natural science on the one hand, religion on the other hand, and even our discipline, philosophy, on the third hand. Well, there may not have been sharp lines marking out science as a distinct
0: discipline. But you got to give the ancient cosmologists the credit they deserve as scientists. The method some of them used, observing natural phenomena, using math and logic to develop reasonable explanations, achieving some impressive results making some reliable predictions, that's the heart of science.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I grant you there's some emerging science there. There's, there's mythology and philosophy there. There's a lot of stuff, and sorting through this, I think it's worth sorting through this because it'll help us understand the nature of science, what constitutes scientific progress, the difference between science and philosophy. These are good questions, John.
0: Well, and we really only discussed Greek and Egyptian and Babylonian cosmology, but of course, People from all around the world have been speculating about the origin of the universe for thousands and thousands of years.
1: And so we sent our roving philosophical reporter Shukan Kalantari to take a sample of these old creation stories from around the globe. She did it with the help of some very young philosophers. She files this report.
2: Let me take you back far back to ancient China.
3: At the beginning of time, the universe was in the shape of one big cosmic egg.
2: Eight-year-old Dylan and I are going to take you back to ancient China. This is one of their universe creation stories. As Dylan says, it starts with the universe as one big cosmic egg.
3: It floated unchanging
2: in a dark void. When the egg broke, a giant named Peng Ku came out, along with two basic elements. Yin and Yang. The heavy materials
3: in the egg, the Yin,
2: settled to make the Earth.
3: In the Yang, the light materials, settled to make the sky. After 18,000 years, Pengku died. His body created the
2: sun, the moon, the wind, the oceans, and everything else on Earth. Humans were created from fleas that lived on Pengku. We are flea people. What do you think of that story, Dylan?
3: That's weird. Because if we're fleas, like, and the fleas on dogs, If they were our size, they would be able to jump like three or four feet.
2: Good point. Hindus have a similar creation myth. It also involves an egg. Six-year-old Bella helps narrate this one.
3: Before there was anything, there was only water. Over time, these waters produced one golden egg.
2: And then the egg burst open and there was Prajapati, a powerful god, half man, half woman. Then he just sat there in the broken egg, not speaking, not moving, for almost an entire year.
3: The first word he finally spoke became the earth. The
2: second word he spoke became the sky.
3: Prajapati could see forever.
2: From the beginning of time to the end of his own life, which was 1,000 years. Here's another creation myth. From Scandinavia, six-year-old Ziri is our guide.
3: Before time existed in ancient Scandinavia, there was a place of fog and ice.
2: And across a huge void was another place, this one with fire demons and fire giants.
3: Eventually, the fire begins to melt the ice. The ice keeps dripping and dripping and dripping until it forms a giant cow named Amadhana.
2: A doomla. This dripping ice also forms a frost giant named Ymir. More giants grow from out of his armpit sweat.
3: Ew. Meanwhile, a created more giants by licking blocks of salty ice.
2: These giants have sex and give birth to the god Odin and his brothers, who in turn kill Ymir, the frost giant.
3: His flesh becomes the earth, His skull becomes the sky, his blood becomes the sea, his brain becomes clouds, his bones become mountains, and his hair, they become trees.
2: Odin and his brothers then take two tree trunks and breathe life into them, creating the first man and woman. But Ziri's not sold on the Scandinavian creation myth. She may not have a theory on the cosmos, but she knows how humans were created.
3: God thought that the world was too empty and had no one in it, so he made woman and men to fill the emptiness in the world.
2: That's more or less the plot in the Christian, Jewish, and Muslim creation stories. You know, God, seven days, you've heard it before. But here's a recap from eight-year-old Ezra.
3: In the beginning there was one God and he created the heaven and the earth.
2: But the earth was a formless void. And everything was really, really dark.
3: Then God said, let there be light. And sure
2: enough, there was light. He separated the light from the darkness, calling one day and the other one night.
3: God saw the light and thought, hey, this is
2: good. On the second day, he separated the earth from the heavens and thought, yep, still good. Six days later, we have earth, water, plants, and humans. On the seventh day, God rests. I'm happy that God chilled out. Ezra says he likes the story, but he's not sold on it.
3: How could that really happen? Someone who has mystical powers that can create anything? And second of all, space created Earth, not God.
2: In the beginning, there was nothing. Or there was fog and ice. Or one big cosmic egg. Or one almighty God. Or a ton of black holes. It depends on which creation story you're following. One thing we know for sure is that the universe was created about 14 billion years ago, or at least we think we know that. But how it was created? No scientist or philosopher has quite figured that one out yet. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari.
0: You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.